So take out your blank piece of paper, and if you have a pen, grab a pen, and kind of open it up like a little book here. Blank piece of paper. Now, most of us would look at this and say, it's a blank page of paper, right? right? It's just, just a piece of copy paper. It's all that it is, right? Now, this is copy paper purchased at Walmart, $3.98 for a pack of 500 sheets. And um, somewhere around that. It used to be like $3.70. I think it's $3.90 now. I don't even pay attention, right? But somewhere in that ballpark area. So this is a blank piece of paper, copy paper. What would we do? Now, typically, this goes in a printer at home. You can, you can print, obviously, you know, emails, documents. You can photocopy, all sorts of things that you can do with a blank piece of paper. Now, for us, how many of us... I know there's this weird thing called text messages, so we don't really write as many notes as we used to, right? In the old days, there was cards and notes, and we use blank pieces of paper more, right? We use lined paper. They actually, kids still use lined paper in college, right, girls? Maybe? Kind of, sort of. They use their computers more than they use that, but anyway. This morning, you have a blank piece of paper, and we could write on it. We could scribble on it. We could color it. We could even do fun things like build little airplanes. Let's see how this does. Oh, not bad. My son made these here, so let's see. <laughs> that didn't go so well. But we can make airplanes, right? And we could, with our piece of paper, look how many things that we can do with our blank piece of paper. We could write somebody a note right now. We can say, hey, I like you. Do you like me back? Remember those days in junior high? Check yes or no, right? Here's the box. Check yes or no, right? Hey, you want to take me to lunch? You can buy. I mean, we can do a lot of different things and say a lot of different things with our blank piece of paper. We can make planes. We could scribble. So hold on to this, but I don't want you playing with it during church. We're going to get back to our blank piece of paper towards the end. If you have your Bibles, I'm so excited because we get to finish up Joseph today. So turn to your neighbor and say, yes, we're going to finish up the life of Joseph today. We've been on Joseph for a little while here. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 45, starting in verse 1. And it goes like this. Joseph could take, could stand it no longer. And there were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers, and when he told them who he was, then he broke down and he wept. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried into Pharaoh's palace. I'm Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please, come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. Verse 7. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. 
And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all of Egypt. And so this morning, as we kind of finish up Joseph, we ask the question, why Joseph? How many of us are not mega sports fans, but a little sports fans? Do, we, do any of us like sports at all? So, you know, a little bit, some, right, medium. It's kind of like small, medium, large, right? Or if you're a Starbucks drinker, it's uh, tall, grande, vente, right? It's small, medium, large. So, why Joseph? If you're a sports fan, you would know that most sports athletes today, they will look back and they will look at previous athletes who've gone before them. And they'll say, how did that running back do that? How did that hitter, how did that pitcher, how did that basketball player shoot and learn to shoot so good or pass so good? But they will study. They will look at film. They'll go back and look at VHS tapes, right? They will go back and they will study previous players and they will see what made these athletes so good. As a Christian, as a believer, we get that opportunity. That's what the Bible, one of the things that we have in the Bible, we can go through all the MVPs in the Bible and say, what made them good? What made them tick? What was it about them? And so we say, why Joseph? Because Joseph did so many things that were awesome in this story. And so this morning as we just look at the picture and the verses that we shared this morning as we get to the end. My first point is Joseph had some waterworks. And he had some waterworks. He's 39 years old, right? So young. But he had for, for 17 years of the beginning of his life, we know that it was full of drama and hate and jealousy. It, it was horrible. There was all kinds of things happening in Joseph's young life. His brothers hated him. He had 10 brothers who hated him. They despised him. They wanted to get rid of him. They dumped him in a pit. Then they sold him off. They were going to kill him one minute. They decided not to kill him, and so they sold him as a slave. Joseph gets sold as a slave. He goes to work. He gets his first job as a slave, and he's serving. And then someone decides to try and throw their life upon Joseph, and Joseph completely denies it and says, no, no thank you. Joseph goes from being one of the best in this house to being a slave, to being thrown in prison. And then by the time he's in his young 30s, mid-30s, he finds himself as second in command of Egypt. Now, that's not bad, right? By the time you're 30, be second in command in, in all of Egypt, right? He's not doing too bad. But one day he sees the 10 brothers who rejected him, hated him, despised him. And for a while, he played with them. He, he played with them like little toys. But he was also testing his brothers to see if they changed. You know, the 10 brothers he looked at when he was in a pit, it says that he was crying when he was in this, this pit in the ground. And he's looking at his brothers and he's saying, please let me out of here. And they didn't do it. And so now he's looking at them and he's the one in charge. He's the one who's got the power. He's the one who has the authority. And so now he's looking at his brothers and he's saying, have you changed or are you still those 10 boys who wanted to beat me up and kill me? And so he played with them for a while. And after he played with them for a while, he finally decided to unveil, to uncover, to reveal who he was. And he starts bawling. How many of us have ever cried before? I would, I would think most of us, right? I mean, most of us, some of us don't want to admit it and maybe cried, you know. But most of us, we've cried at least once in our life. And have you ever gone through so many things that at some point you just cry and, and there's releasing? You know, the benefit of crying, it's self-soothing. 
But also when you cry, it releases oxytocin and endorphins. And so these are feel-good things that chemically change the way that we feel in our body. Crying helps us to focus and, and see the light more clearly. Crying helps protect our eyes from infection and irritating things. And Joseph in this moment, he cries, and he's a man. He's second in command of Egypt. And so men, sometimes it's okay if you need to cry and let it out. And he is bawling his eyes out, so much so that it gets up to his boss, the Pharaoh. And he says to his brothers, guys, it's really me. It's really me. I'm clean shaving, I'm stronger, I'm buffer. Yes, I look really good. I look better than you do now. He goes, but it's me. This is really me. And I like what he says next, because he says to him, don't be angry or don't be afraid. Because how many of us know in this moment, I have to think for the 10 brothers, they're starting to think, Oh my gosh, this is the little boy that we beat up. And I wonder in that moment if they just started kind of backing up real slowly like, uh-oh, he's going to break out a whip or he's going to break out some chains right now. How many out of the ten started getting afraid in the moment and they're thinking, oh my gosh. And so Joseph's saying to them, don't be angry with yourselves. Don't be afraid. It is okay. And then Joseph makes three statements to me which is mind-boggling and it's crazy. And he says to them first, he says, God sent me here. And as he's speaking to the ten brothers, I have to think, they're thinking, those, no, 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 God didn't send you here, we sent you here. We're the ones who threw you in the pit and then we're the ones who sold you as a slave. He says, God sent me here. And then he says to them, God sent me ahead of you. God sent me here. God sent me ahead of you. And it says, lastly, God sent me here, you did not do what you thought that you were doing. What do you mean? They were so full of hate. They were so jealous. They really did not like this little brother. But the jealousy and the hate, the insecurity, it was all used as part of God's plan. Joseph was saying, don't be mad at yourselves because the hard things that you did to me it wasn't only you. It was God. And God used those things to send me here ahead of you. What? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Because how many of us have ever known somebody who's jealous? How many of us have ever known someone who's angry? How many of us have ever known someone who's bitter? Do we ever, you know, in, in our world of 7 billion, there's at least a couple of them out there, right? I mean, there's a couple angry people. There's a couple hateful people, a couple jealous people, right? But do we ever look at them and say, oh, God's just using your jealousy. It's a part of his big plan. Has that thought ever came across our mind? And as Joseph is, is saying to them in this story, he's saying them to basically every negative thing that you did, it was all God's idea to get me here. And why did God do this? Why did God do this for Joseph? Why did he do it for his brothers? There's only one reason, to save lives. There were seven years of famine, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people would have died unless Joseph, the one guy, the one guy, who would be willing to think about this, who would be willing to go through all that he went through, all the hard times, all the difficult moments, being a slave, being in prison, all the things that he went through. Why Joseph? Because he had the right heart and the right mind for what needed to happen. 
And so God uses man to save lives. And he says to them, God is the one who made me. God is the one who promoted me. And I love this because how many of us know if you're second in command of Egypt, you're pretty powerful, right? That's like being the mayor of Hemet. Right? I mean, that, that's got to be a powerful position around here, right? I mean, when the, the mayor, Hammond, he's got to be, or she, whoever it is, I don't even know who it is, but it's got to be similar to being second in command of Egypt. How many of us know power changes people? How many of us know that being in charge, being in power changes people? But for Joseph at 39, now he was rich, now he was powerful. What was he still saying? He's saying, listen. It's all about God, and God did it all. God is the one who brought me here, and God is the one who promoted me. He wasn't saying, I look good, my looks got me in this job. He wasn't saying, I'm buff and my muscles, I'm so strong and I'm stronger than everybody else. He wasn't saying, he wasn't puffing himself up. He wasn't saying that his brain, and he was the wisest person in the land. He was the smartest person in the land. But he didn't say to anybody, it's my brain that got me here. It's my ability that got me here. Look at what, even in his power, he remained humble. And that's a hard thing to do for any one of us. When you're given money sometimes and when you're given power, sometimes it changes people. But for this man, again, right person, right heart, right mind, because he kept humble through all of it. This morning there's some similarities, I think, between Jesus and Joseph. Turn to, to your neighbor and say, J.J., Jesus and Joseph. And I think they had some things in common. And so we know that Joseph, his path to where he became a leader, he was dumped, he was sold off, he was a slave, he was falsely accused, he was in prison, and he was forgotten. Okay, there's Joseph. We think about Jesus' story. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says, Who's believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant, Jesus, he grew up like the Lord's presence, like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about him and his parents, nothing to attract us to him. Jesus was despised. He was rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. There's some similarities here. Joseph, all the hard things, all the years of rejection, all the things that he went through. And then we see Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God. What? We turned our backs on him. We looked the other way. Despised, rejected, a man of sorrows. Philippians 2.5, it says, listen, have the same attitude that Jesus had. He was God, but he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Jesus, the Son of God, he was humble. And it says, Jesus gave up divine privilege took the humble position of a slave, born as a human being, when he paired in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. And so we see two men here in the Bible, to me, that had so many things in common. And for me, these guys, they decided to take the road that was less traveled. They decided to take the road that was less traveled. To go through all that Joseph did, to be strong and not to cave into sin. Because many people, and I was uh, listening to a podcast a while back, and they asked this pastor who had been a pastor for 45 years, they said, how is it that so many, you know, pastors, and it's kind of like, I don't know if you guys, and I don't really use social media, but how many people scroll through social media seeing all the things that horror people, you know, horrible or nice people, you know, they make mistakes. And how many people like to talk about other people's mistakes? And for whatever reasons, Christian in the, even in the Christian church, people like to talk about Christians making mistakes, right? And they like to talk about pastors who make mistakes. But they were talking about pastors and they said, you know, sometimes for pastors and Christians, why they screw up so much, because sometimes when you're good, 
and you're good for a while, you say to yourself, well, I've been good for so long, now it's time to be bad. I've been good for so long, now it's time to be bad. And Joseph in this story, I wonder if he ever had that minute because he was abused as a little kid, right? He had family drama, just like all of us in here. I'm sure we all had a little family drama, right? You know, for me, I had two sisters growing up. You know, I stabbed one with a pencil. I threw a big rock on my other sister's head. So there was always a little drama around, right? Especially when you're the one boy, you got to stir things up, right? You got to frustrate your sisters, Right? So how many of us grew up with our own little family drama? Joseph had that. But in the minute that he could have said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sin right now and I'm going to do the wrong thing, what did he do? He said, I would never sin against God nor the boss that I worked for. He said, no. Sometimes when we've been good for so long, we say, ah, a little chocolate can't hurt right now. A little chocolate is good. It's good for the soul. Joseph didn't cave in. He chose the road less traveled. He worked hard as a slave. He worked hard as a prisoner in prison. He worked hard in the dungeon that he was. And then we see Jesus. This is the greatest and and craziest thing of all. And I read from Philippians describing Jesus Christ, the road less traveled, the son of God coming to the earth, right, born of a virgin, all of those things. And then when he came here, it wasn't that he said to God, hey, I'll go, but I got to be the most attractive man on the earth, right? When I get there, I got to look the best. He didn't say to his father in heaven, listen, I'll go, but I got to have the finest clothes and robes. Isaiah said there was nothing at all, nothing in his appearance that was attractive. You would not have looked at him and said, oh, yeah, that's the son of God, right? There was nothing. And then it says he took the humble position of a slave. What do you mean? God, the son of God, be willing. He's willing to be a slave, the humble position of a slave. The road that was less traveled. When he first started his ministry, he was hanging out with the devil. They were playing chess. And the devil's like, hey, you should do this. You should jump here. You should eat this. And then the last thing he says to Jesus, he says, If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these wonderful things. And basically the devil, what he was saying to Jesus, he goes, listen, why not go through Taco Bell and you can get a burrito right now? Instead of going to Ruth Chris, you got to drive down to San Diego. Yeah, the steak might be better, but it's a long drive. And so the devil was saying to Jesus, the devil was saying to Jesus, let's get some immediate. Let's get some immediate things right now, right here, right now. Why go to the cross? Why suffer? Why die? Why have to wait? And Jesus said, no, thank you. I'd rather die. I'd rather suffer. I'd rather go to the cross. And I'd rather go on the road that is less traveled. Because it may be hard right now, but it's going to benefit somebody else later. And how many of us have gone through extremely hard things in life, and we say to ourselves, and we kick ourselves in the bottom, Right? How many of us have ever gone through things? And sometimes we do, and sometimes life just happens. But one of the things we don't realize is that maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe there's a reason that you've gone through what you've gone through. Maybe there's somebody that you can help that you wouldn't be able to help unless you've gone through what you've gone through. Right? Sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, right? There's just mean, horrible people out there, and bad things have happened to a lot of people, and I'm not saying that every situation. But what if, like Joseph, in his situation, he did go through some very hard, difficult times? For what? To save people. 
and, and I'm sure that all of us in here, we could probably wean through part of our life, and those are the parts that God's saying, yep, not everything, but this, this, and this, you did go through that because I want you to help somebody. Life is about helping people. We see that for, for Joseph, he did not cave in at all, and he had a spiritual maturity. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you spiritually mature? Are you mature? Because you know what he did in the moment? He said, I could really destroy your lives, brothers, but I'm going to forgive you for everything that you did to me. I'm going to forgive and I'm going to forget every single thing that you have ever done in this moment. He was so spiritually mature at that point in his life, at 39 years old, that no matter what they did to him, he was willing to forgive. And he was willing to choose love. Hardest thing to do sometimes, right? Now, and in that moment, he could have done two things. One, be forgiving, loving, kind, which he was. Or he could have did what a lot of people do. And you know what a lot of people do? We play the blame game. Right? When life doesn't go the way that we want or expect, it's in our nature. A lot of us, you know, sometimes we don't even catch ourselves. When something bad is going on, what's that person's fault? How many of us have seen, and, and let's be honest, maybe once in a while we've done it too, where it's never our own fault, it's always somebody else's. And Joseph could have said in that moment, he could have done the blame game. No, but he chose to be mature. It also reminds me in the story of, of God our Father. And I see some things that I know God is that I also see that Joseph was. And one is to be forgiving. Because it says that when you ask for forgiveness, what does God do? He forgives and he forgets. It says as far as the east is from the west. That is one of the most amazing things about the God of the Bible. He is forgiving. Even when you look at Jesus on his dying day. He's being crucified next to two other guys. Both of them aren't very nice. But one of them in that moment realizes he's next to somebody special. One of the, one of the guys that are dying on the cross next to Jesus realizes there's something about this guy. And in one second, he says to Jesus, hey, don't forget about me. Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. In just one brief moment, one dying breath, this guy, everything that he did up to that point was forgiven and erased. And he went and he died and he went to heaven. How forgiving is our God in heaven that he is willing to forgive and to forget every single thing that we've ever done. Just like Joseph in this story who forgave his brothers. They hated him. They wanted to murder him. They wanted to kill him. They dumped him in a pit. They stripped him of his nice clothes. They sold him off as a slave. They gave him the boot out of the family. But he was still willing to forgive. And then you know what he did with his forgiveness, which is so crazy? He took it even farther. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to bless his brothers. He gave them nice gifts. He wanted to bless his brothers. So he forgave them. He blessed them. He provided for them, and then he was protecting them. He brought them to Egypt, he, and he blessed them in Egypt, and he provided for them in Egypt, and then he was protecting them in Egypt. And that's what God our Father does. He wants to bless us. Philippians 4.19 says this, 
The same God who takes care of me, he'll supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Just as Joseph in the story wanted to bless and provide for his brothers, our God in heaven, what does he want to do? He wants to provide for us. It says, God will supply all my needs. Look to yourself, tap yourself and say, God wants to supply all my needs. Deuteronomy 28.11 says that God will give you prosperity in the land that he swore to your ancestors, to give you blessing with many children, hallelujah, numerous livestock and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens, and he will bless you on all the work that you do. You will lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow. God's heart is to what? To bless. Psalms 91, uh, 91 verse 1, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you for those who live in the shelter of the Most High. What does God in heaven want to do? He wants to bless you. What does he also want to do? He wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. And so this morning as we start to kind of pull everything together, you can get back out your piece of paper. My title was today was called Blank Page. Blank Page. Isaiah 53 verse 4 says, yes, it's our weaknesses Jesus carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought that his troubles were a punishment from God, but it was a punishment for our sins. He was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins, he was beaten so that we could be whole, and he was whipped so that we could be healed. Joseph and his family got a brand new beginning, and they got a blank page because one man was willing to suffer and sacrifice for 13 years. Jesus Christ also today, just like he did 2,000 years ago, gives every single person a blank page. The minute you say, God, forgive me, here's a blank page. Every time you say, God, come into my life, God forgives, and God gives you a fresh start, and he gives you a blank page. One of the greatest things about our God is that we can have a fresh start at any moment, at any time. Matthew 27, 51 says, at the moment Jesus was dying, he passes away the moment the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split apart. So now what I want you to do is I want you to take your piece of paper. Now we folded it this way because that's what Sam did. But I want you to hold it up long ways. And then I want you to tear your paper from the top down to the bottom. So take your, bank, your blank piece of paper. And if you made an airplane, then you're going to have to unfold the airplane. But go ahead and take your blank page and tear it from the top to the bottom. When Jesus passed away and when he died, it says that God tore the curtain in the temple from the top down to the bottom. And you know what that represented? In those days, it was only the priests who could go into the temple. It was only the priests who could go into the Holy of Holies and be in God's presence. When Jesus died, he said, listen, I want every single person to have the opportunity if they want 
to believe in me and they want a new life, there's nothing that I'm going to do to hold them back. They can have a new life. They can have a fresh start. They can give their life to me, and I will give them a brand new life. Matthew 10, 26 says this. Don't be afraid of those who want to threaten you. The time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known. What I tell you in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak, daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. And I read that verse there as we start to pull it together because I think what God has done for us is good news. What God's done for you, what God's done for me, what God is willing to do for us. We could look at our past and we could talk about all the horrible things that have happened. And, and every one of us have gone through hard and difficult times. There are hard things that we faced. And we could sit around in a circle and we can get tissue out and we could cry and we could complain and we could stir up the bitterness about all the hard things that we've gone through in life. Or, option B, we can say, God's given me a blank page today. And what am I going to do with my blank page? I can do something special today with my blank page. I can scribble. I can color. I can shout. Like Jesus said, there's going to be a time coming. I want you to shout when the daybreak comes. As soon as you get up in the morning, like you shout at your kids to wake up and get out of bed. Shout the good news. Shout that our God is forgiving. Shout that our God is one who blesses and provides and protects. Shout out loud all that he has done because he has given us a blank page every single day. A couple last closing verses. Romans 8, 28 says this, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We have may had a hard past like Joseph, but how many of us know his life turned around? And is there anything in your life that you are praying and believing God to turn around? He can do it. God still does miracles today. Has he turned Joseph's life around? He can turn your life around. He can turn our life around. We have may had a hard past, but how about this? We can have a better future. We can have a better future, and we can have a brighter future. Because when God is our God, and we're born in his image, and we surrender to him, he promises to bless, protect, and provide. God works together good for all those who love. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I've given you the choice today, life and death, blessing and cursing. Now call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God obeying him, committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. If you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have a choice. On your piece of paper every morning, you could write down everything you didn't like about yesterday. Or when you wake up in the morning, you could look at your blank piece of paper and say, God's going to make this a great day. God's got my back. God's going to go before me. He's going to go behind me. He's going to go all around me. Today is a blank page kind of day. And I'm not holding to anything. And I'm not looking to anything. I am expecting this blank page today to be awesome and amazing. Proverbs 19.21, it's the choice that God gives us to make, to choose life. Proverbs 19.21, you can make many plans, but God's purpose will still prevail. You can make many plans. You can choose and try to do whatever you want to do. But it says at the end, how many of us know? At the end, God's will will prevail. Proverbs 21, 27, 1. Don't brag about tomorrow. You don't know what the day will bring. 
Last verse. First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time God will lift you up in honor. In honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. He cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for our great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. And so this morning we finished out, Joseph, we started this series, and we called it In the Zone. So turn to your neighbor and say, are you in the zone? And we picked that thought, and we picked that theme, because here is a man who learned that no matter what life threw at him, he decided to do the right thing. He made the choice, and some of us in here, I've made many wrong choices, right? I don't know about you. I've made a few wrong choices. I'm sure there's got to be one more person who's made a couple wrong choices in here. But why not today? Why not now? And why not decide from now on, hey, I'm just going to start making the right choices. I'm just going to from now on start doing the right thing. I'm going to start being the right person. I'm going to start being a better husband, right? I'm going to start being a better wife. I'm going to start being a better dad, a better mom. I'm going to start being a better mom. I'm going to start being a, I think I said that twice. And not to say that you moms have to be better, right? But just came out twice. <laughs> I'm going to start being just a better man. I'm going to start being a better woman. I've got a blank page today, and it's going to be what I choose to make it. God, help me today to make the best of this day, doing good for people. Because why did, why did God lead Joseph through all of those things for the number one thing? Save people's lives. We have a beautiful community in Hemet, right? Look at all the, of us beautiful people in here. We're beautiful. We're handsome. And what's God's purpose for us? To be saved and then what? To help save other people. Any way that we can, if it's with shoes, right? If it's with clothes, if it's with a hug, right? If it's with a smile, whatever God puts us here to do, it's to help other people as well. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for a beautiful Sunday morning. God, we thank you for Joseph. God, we thank you for his life. God, we thank you for all that it speaks, all that his life teaches. God, every single thing that he went through, every single thing that happened to him. God, there was good, there was bad, and there was some ugly. God, but no matter what he went through, God, he kept humble. He kept his heart right. God, and he was ready to be used by you at all times. God, I just pray for us this morning. God, we've all made mistakes. We've all had family drama. We've survived. We're here. We're alive this morning. God, we as siblings, we fought with our siblings. God, we, we know how to fight. God, we know how to swing punches. God, we know how to do all of that. God, but more important than fighting, God, today I pray that you'd help us to get past fighting and get to love. Help us to get to the good stuff. God, help us to get to the good stuff, the forgiveness, the blessing, the providing, the protection. God, help us to turn our eyes to you and get our eyes off ourselves and our, and our past that just wants to drown us out. God, help us today to live in a zone, in this blank page zone, knowing that today is filled of so many opportunities, so many great things that we can do, so many great things that we can say, so many hugs that we can give out, so many smiles that we can give out, so many nice things that we can do for somebody and do for our family. God, help us to use this day, this blank page day, to do something great for you in honor of you and then to honor somebody else, Lord. We give you every single thing that we have. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.